0: Did you happen to see the insane war I accidentally got into on TikTok? Oh, this week. My gosh, I wanted to just like randomly send you thumbs up emojis just for shits and giggles. <laughs> it's God. the weirdest thing. I had no idea. Like, here so here's in case you all are not on TikTok or you just missed it or whatever. I was texting a friend of mine. They responded with the thumbs up, and my immediate reaction was like, "Ugh." But I recognized how dumb that was, right? Like this is all part of having um, anxious attachment style. Mm-hmm. You overanalyze everything, right? That's yep. me. And so, you know, I get a thumbs up, and it makes me feel like somebody's being like, "Okay, go away now." You know, I also recognize that that's not real. That's just <laughs> my brain, right. and it's silly. And so, I made a joke about right. it. It was a very quick, very quick joke on TikTok. I hopped on there, and I was like, "Listen, if we're texting and you send me a thumbs up emoji." now we're fighting no further questions right I thought it would just be relatable yeah and for uh, there were a whole lot of people who agreed but for the most part I tapped into some very strange part of the male psyche like a world of <laughs> I, like <laughs> men's egos that they are so mad yeah I mean but listen here's the beauty of it every one of those angry angry men just made me a little bit of money you exactly because <laughs> I get paid for every little tiny view it's not much you guys you don't make much in TikTok right. but a tiny little fraction of a penny every single time a man got mad at me he was kind of beautiful in that way (laughs) so funny and they were all like and you're gonna be alone forever and i'm just like oh my god so scary that's so scary and that's why i'll never date you and i'm like thank you good (laughs) thank you sir i'm so glad it was really strange but then then i had the idea to respond to them with doc holiday quotes from you guys know how that's my favorite movie and that was really the most beautiful thing that's ever happened. So. I love it so much. It's just so strange how that caused drama for no reason right. at all. I was so confused by it. And my initial reaction was to feel like a little freaked out because I had upset so many people because I don't like doing that. Yeah. And then I realized, but these are all idiots. So these are just <laughs> coming Why from are you mad? holes in the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The best part were the ones who were like, God, what a stupid thing to get mad about you're so dumb and i'm just like do you hear yourself right now <laughs> you're telling me this is a stupid thing to get mad about listen to what you're saying <laughs> so much it's so funny God. social media it's a weird world anyway hi hey. uh, this is the Witches magic <laughs> murder and mystery podcast i'm kara <laughs> i'm megan hey hi. and we're here With the Tuesday episode, which means it's a shorter one. Yes. Real quick, one more time, I want to tell you guys that I started another podcast. It's called The Ordinary Amazing. And if you want to hear any more about it, you can just go to the show notes and read about it. Because Megan is everything but ordinary, and she's so amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love you. You're my little (laughs) boo-hag. My little boo-hag. My (laughs) little boo-hag. Okay. So this is a witch story for you. Yeah. And it starts with an email from one of you guys. Oh, fun. This one's from Tish. She says, hey, ladies, I absolutely love your podcast and I want to be your third bestie. Okay. Uh, Yeah, sure. You have to be the fourth right after Olive, but then, yes, you're in. I have a witch I'd love to hear you cover. I went through your episodes. I didn't see her. Her name is Mary Parsons. Okay. I had never heard of her until last week when I was digging around in my family tree doing some genealogy work. I've been obsessed with learning about my ancestors and find myself digging through websites trying to find everything I can. Same. Yeah, I know. I love it. (laughs) So there I was looking at my digital family tree, just reading names, and saw Thomas Bliss, 1583 to 1651. Cool last name, I thought, and I agree. Bliss is a great last name. Yeah. And I clicked on him to see the image attached. It was a coat of arms, nothing exciting. (laughs) But there in his info was a pretty big write-up that I started reading, and I saw his daughter, Mary Parsons, accused of witchcraft in 1656 in Northampton. I had to know more. I went on to look at Mary to read about her witchcraft, only to discover she's my 10th great-grandmother. How cool. I am a witch and a granddaughter of the witches they couldn't burn. Oh. I love it. I love that. Mary was acquitted multiple times. What little I did read about her was very interesting, and all I could think was this needs to be a witch episode. I plan to do lots of research on her and hope to hear about her on your pod one day. Thanks for reading. Tish. Cool. Thank you for sending that in, Tish. Um, I think it would be the coolest thing in the world to find something like that in your family tree. Oh my gosh, yes. Okay, so Tish, here you go. We're going to talk about your great, 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 great grandmother. Yes. I think that was 10. Okay. I think (laughs) so. I'm going with it. All right. Mary Bliss was born in England around 1627 and came to the Massachusetts Bay Colony with her parents and four older brothers sometime around 1635 when she was eight years old. Okay. And then five years later, she and her family became some of the first settlers in Hartford in the Connecticut colony. Here's the thing about Mary Bliss as she got older. She was super hot. Mm-hmm. Her beauty was legendary. Ooh. And you already know how that automatically makes people hate you. Right. We all know, exactly. right? We all deal with it. Mm-hmm. Everybody hates us. Yep. Yeah. So being really pretty is bad enough in colonial New England. But to make it worse... Mary was also not super concerned with being easy to get along with. She had opinions, and she was not afraid to share them. She was described as not very amicable. She had haughty manners, and she was—I like this one. She was exclusive in the choice of her associates, so she wasn't going to be just friends with anybody. Right. I like her. She had boundaries. (laughs) Yes, amazing. I'm a fan. In 1646, Mary got married to a guy named Joseph Parsons, who later became the wealthiest man in Hampshire County and one of the richest in the territory. He made his fortune trading furs and he owned a sawmill and he was the co owner of the first grist mill in Northampton. Okay. He also owned a retail store and a tavern and eventually he became the largest landowner in the new settlement of Northfield. Hmm. So, yeah, they were super rich, right? So now Mary has the curse of being beautiful and rich. Right. And not a people pleaser. Right. Ooh. Now, on top of all that poor luck, she's also really, really, really good at having babies. Wow. Same. Which is a big deal in the 17th century. I know. I was just like, oh she's like Kara. <laughs> My womb. <laughs> she is super fertile. <laughs> <laughs> and in the seventeenth century, that was a that was a big deal. Right. A lot of women died in childbirth and Children often didn't make it to adulthood. But Mary, she got pregnant about every two years for 25 (gasps) years. Oh, man. Her last child was born when she was a grandmother. Wow. She had 11 children, six boys and five girls, including two sets of twins. Wow. Can you imagine how mad the other women in town must have been when two babies came out at once? (laughs) Yes. Twice. Exactly. (laughs) They were like, are you kidding me? Are you serious? Get her out of here. I hate that Mary Parsons. (laughs) She's a witch. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this was also a big deal, the whole six boys and five girls thing, because Mm -hmm. her first six children were all boys. And again, this was at a time when boys were considered more valuable than girls. So the fact that she just kept cranking out boys was like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) And then all but two of her children survived to adulthood. Oh. Now, no one is this lucky. Beautiful, married to the richest guy around, getting pregnant like clockwork, and most of her children lived into adulthood. Beautiful, healthy kids. Yeah. It's got to be the work of the devil. Right. At least that's what Sarah Lyman Bridgman thought. Okay. She's the Regina George of this story. Oh, okay. She's like, congratulations on your baby. You know, and then <laughs> yeah. Mary's like, thank you. And she's like, oh, so you agree. You're you think really you're, good at having babies. You think your babies are great. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. Don't sit with us. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's talk a little bit about Sarah Bridgman and all the reasons that she had to hate Mary. They had both grown up in Hartford. Sarah had grown up a little more upper class than Mary. So she kind of already had this feeling of superiority to Mary. right? Because Sarah's dad owned 30 acres of land. And Mary's dad only had six. Ooh. And both of them moved to Springfield when they got married. And then years later, when Mary and Joseph moved to Northampton, and Jesus, Sarah and her family followed. <laughs> Mary, Joseph, and mm-hmm. Jesus. So, you know, because Sarah felt like she was better than Mary, mm-hmm. but then Mary ends up having a more successful life in so many ways. Right. It's like one of those girls who peaked in high school. Yes, you know? exactly. And then you look at them today and you're like, well, <laughs> right. You go back later, and you're like, oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> um, Sarah's husband was not wealthy, and he didn't hold any sort of high status in town. She had eight children, but only four survived infancy, three girls and one boy. Oh, wow. Okay. So Sarah hated Mary, mm-hmm. and she started talking about her suspicions that Mary Parsons had clearly made a deal with the devil. Oh, Of course. The talk spread from town to town, with people adding stories of their own. They said that Mary would be out walking at night wearing nothing but her shift, which is basically a slip. They said she walked on water, like Wyatt Earp. (laughs) 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 If you've never seen Tombstone, you don't get, like, most of my references. But trust me, that's a great joke. Yes. So sometime around 1650, this is when Mary and her family were still living in Springfield, so they haven't moved to Northampton yet. There was a witch scare in the area. And there are a few odd things that happened with Mary during this time. So apparently she did like to go on those night walks, but I'm not sure if the part about only wearing her slip is true. Okay. But her husband was like, listen, you've got to stop going out walking at night. So he tried locking the doors and hiding the key. Oh. But she would always find it because, you know, you're not going to tell me what to do. Yeah, you don't tell me nothing. And then he started locking her in the cellar to keep her from going out at night. Wow. Doesn't that seem wrong? That's not okay. So she's alone in the dark in the cellar, and she's terrified, and she said that she saw spirits down there. Oh. Oh, God. And then there was this thing that happened during church one day. The minister was preaching, Mm -hmm. and he was talking about the presence of the devil among them, and his two young daughters fell to the floor screaming. Oh. This whole scene scared Mary, and she fell to the floor, too, clutching her throat. Oh. So, like, I think this is very clearly— just kind of the power of suggestion, which it had a whole lot to do right. with all the witch hysteria. Yeah. This is before the witch trials, but still, you can kind of see see it coming where they're talking yeah. about evil. And then you start seeing, you know, it's like how um, whatever you're looking for, you'll find right. it. And that's why it's so important to train your brain to find the yeah. positive things because then you see the positive things. And this is like you're training your brain to see the devil and witchcraft yeah. and evil, yeah. you know. So people were like, Mary's acting super weird. And... We don't really know what that was all about, but we do know that around the same time in 1650, Mary had just lost her second child and her father had died. So maybe she was just struggling with some mental health stuff. Right. Which made right. it yeah, made her particularly susceptible to these feelings of hearing about the devil, and now it's overwhelming because you're already feeling down. Yeah. Okay, so that all happened in Springfield. But the stories about her behavior— Followed Mary to Northampton, aided, oh. of course, by Sarah Bridgman's gossip. Of course. So people wow. blamed Mary for the... Even before social media word traveled so fast. Oh, exactly. Gossip has always been a thing. Yes. People blamed Mary for the death of livestock. They blamed her for injuries She's, to people in the town. Sarah said that Mary had threatened her son. And she was also like, and Mary cursed a young girl back in Springfield, causing that girl to have fits. What? I'm about to cause you to have a fit. That's probably what she's thinking. So when Joseph Parsons heard about this gossip about his wife, mm-hmm. he in 1656, he sued Sarah for slander. Oh. Now, this was a little risky because usually the plaintiffs would win these cases, but right. the fact that he pursued this case at all meant drawing attention to these witchcraft accusations. Yes. So it could be like, now she's going to have to defend herself against those. Right. But it didn't work out that way. There were a whole lot of people who came forward and testified, and some people testified that they had seen witchcraft activity. Other people testified that, like, all of these examples were just crap and that she's right. totally harmless. And the Parsons ended up winning that suit, which just made Sarah hate Mary more, you know? Exactly. Yeah. She was ordered to make a public apology and pay a fine. Oh, um, a public apology? That's going to be so embarrassing. I know. I was thinking, like, I wish that was still a thing. Yes, (laughs) They just order you, like, you apologize, and Mm -hmm. you do it sincerely. And if if they're not satisfied, you make them do it again. (laughs) Yes, exactly. so So there was basically just a huge feud between these two families. In 1674, Sarah's daughter, Mary Bridgman Bartlett, passed away under suspicious circumstances. Now, I read a few different articles. One article said that Sarah had actually passed away by this point. Okay. Then other articles said that she hadn't. So I'm not entirely sure if Sarah was still around by then. But the feud was well established whether Sarah was still living or not. You know, their families just hated each other. Right. So when Mary Bridgman Bartlett died, her husband Samuel decided that Mary Bliss Parsons must be responsible. Oh, my gosh. And this is when she found herself formally accused of witchcraft. What on earth? Didn't take much, you know. No. She's pretty and she's rich, Kara. What mm-hmm. what more do you want? <laughs> what are you gonna has a healthy womb? Get her out of here. Get her out of here. Local magistrates ordered Parsons' body to be searched for witches marks. <laughs> so like birthmarks, mm-hmm. you know, then that what we yep. discovered those were. Yeah. Although it didn't say if any were found. Now when the case went to trial, we don't have the court records of this specific trial, but we do have the court records of the slander trial. And it can be assumed that the accusations made In her witchcraft trial, were similar to what had been laid out during the slander trial years earlier. Mary, of course, said she was innocent, and the jury agreed. Thank goodness. Right. She was acquitted on May 13th, 1675. So we're coming up on the anniversary of her acquittal, which I also enjoy. That's exciting. Now, even though she was acquitted, Mary and her family never really escaped the witchcraft rumors. They left Northampton and moved back to Springfield in, like, 1679, 1680. Okay. And in 1702, and this is, what, like, 22 years after they'd moved back mm-hmm. to Springfield? Right. Someone went up to Mary's grandson, and they were like, your grandmother's a witch. What? So, it just goes to show how... Was she, like, go kick rocks? Like, what? I hope so. I just think it's, you know, it's, like, it's not enough to... Run someone's life by accusing them of witchcraft. I mean, that's all it is. It's all it takes. An yeah. accusation of witchcraft, whether you're found guilty or innocent, right. really sticks with you, yeah. you know? Yeah. Her husband, Joseph, passed away in 1683, and Mary lived another 30 years after that. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Forced to deal with the rumors of witchcraft for the rest of oh, her life. That's absurd. She died in Springfield on January 29, 1712, at the age of 84. She lived such a long that's life. That's a good life. Yeah. I know. And that's the story of Mary Bliss Parsons, Tish's 10th great-grandmother. How cool. I know. I really, really enjoyed that. It's a story we wouldn't know without you guys, so I really appreciate it when you all send those in. Yeah, what a good story. I, when we went to Salem, I loved seeing little notes left on um, the benches. Mm-hmm. With It would say, like, your whatever-whatever granddaughter, your whatever-whatever oh, niece, gosh, or your whatever-whatever yeah, whatever grandson. I, it was so cool. I love that so much yes all right well thank you all for listening yeah thanks for sending in your stories we love them please keep sending them we will get to them eventually yeah we're getting to them a little bit at a time okay we love you so much goodbye goodbye